0: Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. All right, we've officially reached that point in the offseason. It's time to recap our first 2022 mock draft. This should be fun. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Tuesday, November 16th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. And Scott, does this mean that we're doing a mock draft every week until the season starts? Because I feel like that's what we did last year.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. That, that doesn't start uh Till January, Frank. After football's oh, right. over, okay, we've got and some time. Nobody really knows what to do with themselves, so <laughs> we just start doing. No, really, it's two drafts a week from about late January till uh, late March. Oh so yeah, and we get crazy with it tired too. Tired of me annoying. Like, yeah, I need, I need to like need to I need to bring some intern in just to send out emails for mock drafts <laughs> and set them up because I spend so much of my time doing that in February and March. That might be better spent elsewhere. But no, mock drafts are mock drafts are always a great resource, particularly when they're done by people you know and trust, which may include some of the names in this mock draft. Oh. Hopefully at least Frank Stample and Scott White, but but many others as well.
0: Oh, I was going to say, I'm definitely not one of the people you trust on that list, but no, nah, it's fine. Uh, it's also especially fun when... We're doing it with uh, the 2021 rankings still in the CBS draft room. So obviously, like things haven't updated yet on the site. Uh, It's going to take some time, but it definitely makes for for drafting for next season. Very, very tough. So uh, unless you've already put together rankings. Yeah, I I crushed these early mock drafts, Frank. Well, we're going to find out a little (laughs) bit later on. Uh, We're obviously going to break it down in depth in just a bit. But did you have a major takeaway, Scott? Maybe a theme that you noticed in this first mock draft? Uh, major takeaway,
1: uh, that well, we've, we've been talking about it a lot throughout the offseason, just particularly in a roto draft, uh, a five by five draft, like we, we did here. Less emphasis on starting pitching than last year, closer to the traditional emphasis in starting pitching. Um, there were still Let's see. Only only one went in the first round, right? Correct. Only one went in the first round. There were still six going in the second round, which maybe isn't quite all the way back to the traditional approach at starting pitching. But clearly, uh, clearly, it wasn't as um, people weren't selling out for them like they did last year, and and they shouldn't based on how the the landscape changed last year with the uh, dead end baseball, and then the foreign substance crackdown. It it went from making starting pitcher a, a position that stands out for its poles to one that stands out for its equator, if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> Scott, you're talking to the wrong guy, man. I don't know anything about pop culture, movies that were made before the nineties, uh, geography that's not a reference to either. <laughs> so you don't know much of anything. No, I telling. know. I know like a few things about fantasy baseball and fantasy football. And, and that's basically it. Like, uh, I don't, I don't if this know. This
1: industry goes under, you are entirely unemployable.
0: I've got nothing. Is what you're saying. I, I was, I was a bartender in like a local Irish pub before I kind of broke into doing this. So <laughs> I guess that's always a possibility. Um, but yeah, no, I just I, look,
1: made you worried, didn't I?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Like now I got to really start thinking about like, just in case, you know, what's the backup plan here? <laughs> um, Scott isn't lying, by the way. I mean, the uh, waiting on starting pitching and the fact that it feels deeper this year than, than before. And we talked about that with Nick Pollock, though, you know, he defended, uh, you know, last, the last full season that we had, there was a bunch of pitchers that went outside the top 200 picks that were also very valuable. Uh, but Scott did not take his third starting pitcher in this mock draft until round 13. So, that's a nice little tease that we'll uh, we'll get into. I didn't?
1: My third was in round 13?
0: I believe that is correct. Let me wow. scroll through. I didn't notice that. Uh, yep. I think uh, you took two in the first five rounds, and then you didn't take your third until round 13. Until round yeah.
1: 13. I, I will say, when we talked about it, when we were doing the starting pitcher recap, uh, I said, uh, I think I'm going to want like seven of my top 55. You know, in past years, I might say four of my top 35 That's kind of the direction I was going. So I still, you know, I still want to be ahead of the curve, but more in the middle portion of the position than at the high end of the position. So I wanted seven of my top 55. I did get seven of my top 55, but five of those seven are toward the end
0: of the top 55. And full disclosure, Scott texted me halfway through this draft. He said, dude, I am crushing this. I was like, all right, well, let me go look at Scott's team. And then I saw his pitching and I'm like... All right, Scott. We've got to have a talk. We'll do it on the mock draft. Uh, but before we do that, let, let's hit on a few news and notes. We did have, I guess, our first major signing. It's, it's not a major signing, but it, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez signed with the Detroit Tigers. Five years, seventy-seven million. It could go as high as eighty million, uh, I guess, with incentives in there. And this past season it wasn't a good year uh, on on the surface for Erod. Four point seven four ERA. 1.39 whip, but the underlying numbers were much, much better for him. 3.43 XFIP, 3.64 Sierra, 3.55 expected ERA. His 20.4% K-walk rate was tied for 15th among starting pitchers with at least 150 innings pitched. Uh, that was tied with Lance Lynn and Jose Barrios, so that's that's pretty good company to be a part of. Now he gets a better park, much better division to pitch in, I'm not saying he needs to be ranked inside the top 50 starting pitcher, Scott, but I'm kind of excited about this move for Erod. Honestly, I, I don't think it matters much. It can only help. It can only
1: help to the extent that, you know, Fenway Park is traditionally considered a tough place for left-handers. Uh, over his career, Eduardo Rodriguez had pretty even splits home in a way, but he wasn't very good at Fenway Park this past year. And, um, you know, Comerica's is just generally considered a a better place to pitch. Uh, Better division, as you mentioned. Division that isn't full of hitters' parks. That's good. That's good. But ultimately, Eduardo Eduardo Rodriguez's 2022 uh, will come down to we'll come down to how much of a fluke his twenty twenty one is. And you pointed it out the, the disparity between his ERA and and all his ERA estimators, the X Fip, the X ERA, the FIP, the Sierra. They those definitely say Eduardo Rodriguez was a different pitcher than the ERA suggested he was. And they say he was pretty much the Eduardo Rodriguez we've we've known throughout his career, who, you know, is more like a number three guy in fantasy. He doesn't have ace potential, but he'll give you more than a strikeout per inning. With a not terrible ERA, not terrible WHIP, eat a lot of innings, win a lot of games potentially. Um, number three guy in fantasy, and and you know the Tigers look like they're going to be contenders this past year. They went from being fifty three games out of first place, I think it was in twenty nineteen, something ridiculous, to nearly a five hundred winning percentage last year, and they're going to. Debut with Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green probably at some point this year, and, and now they got uh, they got a little more rotation depth. So, everything points to Eduardo Rodriguez's 474 ERA being a fluke. If that's the case, I'm not sure it really mattered where he went. He would be a lot better. Yeah, I, I have him outside of my top 60, actually, but I, I think he's a pretty good value there.
0: Oh, come on, Scott. Let's bump this guy up a little bit. You're right about the Tigers, by the way, and we talked about this towards the end of the season They had 47 wins back in 2019, their last full season. This past season, 77 wins, a 30-game, 30-win improvement uh, with A.J. Hinch here as the manager. They have young players coming. And uh, yeah, I think as soon as next year, I mean, they could be in the mix for a wild card in the American League. So, uh, a much improved team. And to a much lesser extent than Aaron Nola, Eduardo Rodriguez kind of has the Aaron Nola thing going on, where Nola was. Uh, really, really unlucky this past season. Same thing happened with Eduardo Rodriguez. Far and away, the highest BABIP of his career. So, I'm kind of excited about this move for, for Erod. I'll be look, I'll be looking to draft him as, you know, a a latest starting pitcher. Maybe someone I I uh, stash on the end of my bench there. Manny Pena. Big news, Scott. Signs with the oh, Atlanta Braves. Two years, $8 million. Not really much to talk about there, but I'll just run through. <laughs>
1: I'm bringing up Manny Pink <laughs> on a fantasy baseball podcast. Yeah,
0: That's We were absurd. talking beforehand. I was like, you know, I wouldn't mind if the Yankees signed him. Let's get Gary Sanchez out of here. I'm just tired of Gary Sanchez. Uh, just run through a few more things here. Chris Taylor declined his qualifying offer, and he's now a free agent. The Mariners will begin the 2022 season with Ty France as their starting first baseman. Austin Hayes underwent a procedure earlier in the offseason to repair his core, but is expected to be ready for spring training without any restrictions. Uh, We did have the Rookies of the Year announced. So in the National League, we had Jonathan India. He won the award. And in the American League, Randy Rosarena. So shout out to those guys. Congratulations to them. Uh, I I think this could matter, Scott. The Diamondbacks hired Brent Strom as their pitching coach. And previously with the Houston Astros, did great work. I, I don't know if it was all on him, but it seemed like, Whoever came to the Houston Astros from a previous organization usually got turned around pretty well. I mean, Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton come to mind. Justin Verlander basically revitalized his career. So uh, the Diamondbacks need all the help they could get. Uh, Is this something that will matter to you at all?
1: Probably not because it's hard to tell other than Zach Allen, obviously. uh, Maybe he can help get him back on track. Madison Bumgarner, I'm less confident in that. Um, And, and, you know, it's was it? Was it, so much the, was it so much Brent Strom himself responsible for those turnarounds or was it really the organizational machine and he was just a conduit in that machine? I, I kind of feel like that's more likely, which isn't to say Brent Strom isn't a noteworthy pitching coach. He's in his 70s. He was expected to retire um, because the Diamondbacks were his local team. He decided to join up with them. For now, at least. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's. it's really difficult to pinpoint a pitcher saying to, uh, on that team and say, well, oh, maybe Brent Strom can straighten him
0: out. Uh, the Mets are finalizing a deal with Billy Epler to make him their general manager. So uh, good luck to you, Billy Epler. Yikes. Uh, Arizona Fall Stars game. Uh, Marlins outfield prospect J.J. Bladé Two for three with a home run. He took home the MVP honors. He had a pretty awful 2021, but uh, he is crushing it right now in the Arizona Fall League. All right, let's get into it. Our first off-season mock draft, 2022. 12 teams, five-by-five rotisserie, 23 roster spots. Uh, You start two catchers, a middle infielder, a corner infielder, five outfielders, and nine pitchers, whatever combination of starting pitchers and relief pitchers as you want. It's the classic five-by-five categories that we're used to talking about. And I will preface this, Scott, with our 2022 rankings. I mentioned they're not in the CBS draft room yet. Uh, Also, I did this draft on my phone while eating birthday cake with my family last week. So, so was, when I
1: was texting you, <laughs> I was interrupting family time. Is that what
0: you're saying? Oh, I mean, it, it, like, it was a complete mess, guy. because I'm on my phone. I'm trying to draft. <laughs> I'm trying to like talk to people. I'm trying not to be rude. Oh, yeah. I told them, I'm like, this is my own fault because I double booked. But I was actually excited <laughs> to do you, the mock the draft. Who, you're the one who pushed to do it this night. I know. Like, How did I forget it was my own birthday? I don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't know either uh so yeah basically i i don't like my team very much but but we'll talk about it uh the people who participated in this draft the first overall pick our buddy chris clegg from Fantrax, who we had on recently then mike gianella uh jake weiner rj white our our boss uh raymond atherton chris mitchell tim mcleod i had the eighth overall pick uh jesse roche from Baseball Prospectus, He was ninth overall. Scott, you had the 10th pick. Uh, we had Eric Cross from Fantrax at 11. And then Nick Mimikos at 12th overall. And I'm going to do something fun here. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to pull up the draft board. So you can watch along here, youtube.com slash Baseball today. Please subscribe if you haven't before. I'll also throw the draft results in uh, the podcast description for those that are listening. If you want to follow along and pull up the draft results on your phone or However you're listening, computer, whatever it might be, uh, I think that'll be fun. So you can follow along here. Uh, so let's just start with the first six picks or so. We'll go six picks at a time, usually, and and talk it out. But uh, the first half of the first round, it's got Trey Turner, number one. Then we had Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, Vladimir Guerrero, Shohei Otani, and Mike Trout. And I, I really don't have an issue with anything here. I mean... Mike Trout's probably the only pick I wouldn't have made, and I've I've talked about that before. You know, I think in five by five roto, lack of steals, he's probably more of a late first round pick, maybe early second round pick. But eh, this all yeah. seems pretty standard so far. Well, I guess I mean it. It it is
1: appearing to be the case that the consensus number one overall pick, at least in roto leagues, is Trey Turner. This is disappointing to me because I don't think Trey Turner is worthy of the number one overall pick. I understand why it's happening. A lot of like um transcendent type talents, like uh, Fernando Tatis, of course, or or, or Ronald Cuny, even like a Jacob deGrom, who could potentially be considered number one overall, if not for the fact that they're they have major injury concerns heading into the new year. Now, personally, I think. Fernando Tatis is kind of overblown. He was dealing with it all of this past season and was still amazing. The shoulder, um, I suspect an off-season of rest and rehabilitation can only improve the situation. Maybe that's looking at it with rose-colored glasses, but I think it seems, you know, to me it seems practical. If, If Trey Turner is going to be the consensus number one overall pick, like this is not the year to have the number one overall pick I would say because I don't really think he stands out from six others who could potentially go in that spot I would just take Tatis myself if I had the first overall pick but if you're thinking in terms of like Kentucky Kentucky Derby style uh draft order where everybody picks where they pick I don't know that number one is a spot that should be a high priority uh when you're when you're determining when you when you're when you're selecting your draft spot.
0: I agree with that wholeheartedly, too. KDS, by the way, Kentucky Derby style, it's uh, something used often on the NFBC. I think a few other places use it as well. Um, But yeah, it's where you could basically choose the order of the draft picks that you want. So you rearrange all the numbers, whatever it might be. But I agree with you, Scott. I think, so we'll keep moving on here. Number seven was Bo Bichette. Number eight, Jose Ramirez, uh, fell to me, who uh, I think that there's a very clear top seven picks in 5x5 five five Roto this year, Scott, unless something changes. But you basically take Mike Trout out and you have that group of Turner, Soto, Tatis, Vlad, Otani, Bo Bichette, Jose Ramirez, totally fine with any of them. Like, if you if you told me you wanted to take Jose Ramirez first overall, I don't I don't think it's completely crazy. You know, I'd still prefer Trey Turner or or uh, Fernando Tatis. But I I think that top seven is very clear in whatever order you like them. um, So yeah, if you just want to take the last of that group, if you want to take the sixth or seventh pick and and get a Bo Bichette or Jose Ramirez, I have no problem. I think think it's a very clear top seven group.
1: I mostly agree with you, but I would make one swap in that top seven. I would have Bryce Harper in and Bo Bichette out. I actually have Bo Bichette ninth. I have Mike Trout eighth, so... You know, I would, I would I would put Bichette behind Trout as happened in this draft, but I would also have Harper in there instead.
0: I will point out to you, by the way, Scott. Uh, we do have some NFBC ADP that's rolling in. There's some drafts that are already being conducted. There's five drafts that have already taken place, and uh, five. Fernando Tatis has been the number one pick in all of them.
1: So now, that is NFBC, where you're yeah. encouraged to take bigger swings, sure, uh, because you have to beat what thousands of other teams as opposed to just eleven. So worth pointing out. But yeah, that's that's uh, I I like to see that.
0: Uh, All right. So after I took Jose Ramirez eighth overall, then we saw Ronald Acuna. And I I mentioned there's five drafts that have already taken place. And uh, his range is between four and 19. So no consensus here. I think it's going to be all over the place. And it's going to change based on the news that we get in the offseason. And obviously, there's a lot of time for for things to change. So uh, once we get more news... I did
1: move him down, in case you guys didn't catch this podcast. I think the one Chris Clegg was on. Yeah. Uh, I I was originally stumping for Acuna to go second overall until we learned at some point in October that uh, he himself is only aiming for May. So if he's not aiming to make it back for opening day, then who the heck is aiming for him to do that? So I now have Acuna 18th overall. I don't have him even in my first round, even though he happened to go in the first round in this
0: mock. All right, let's finish out the first round. Uh, we had Bryce Harper go 10th overall to you, Scott. And then we had Kyle Tucker, which I'm actually totally fine with. If if you wanted to extend that top seven to nine and include Bryce Harper and Kyle Tucker in there, I have absolutely no issue with that. And we finally see our first starting pitcher off the board with Garrett Cole at pick 12 overall. And based on last so year's... So you're taking, you're taking Tucker ahead of Trout. Yes, in Roto, yeah. Okay. I I still, look, I think Tucker's an awesome player. He's probably going to chip in 12 to 15 steals. And uh, even with that Astros offense, he's going to give you um, awesome counting stats, runs, RBI, good batting average. And I'm I'm just kind of worried about the, uh, the injuries the past couple of years for Trout. So maybe it's overblown. Okay. You know, if I'm sure, you know, you probably still like Trout as a mid-first round pick. I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't think I could really beat up on anybody for wanting to do that. It's just, I think it's personal preference. Uh, Garrett Cole, by the way, I mentioned 12th overall. Last year, there were three starting pitchers drafted in the first round, according to Fantasy Pro's ADP. So far in this first draft, uh, only one. But you took Bryce Harper at 10, Scott. And Yeah, yeah. he's he's fine.
1: Yeah, I was happy to get him. Uh, like I said, he is in my top seven. Uh, he, he will contribute some steals. I think he's one of the, Better bets for like a big home run total as opposed to just a pretty good home run total uh, among this group. And uh, yeah, I mean, he really, he really, he, he feels, he feel, I feel as confident taking Harper in the first round as I have probably since his MVP season.
0: The second round, Freddie Freeman goes 13th overall. Then we see Corbin Burns our SP2 overall here drafted. And uh, then 15th overall, Scott, you take Mookie Betts. You start your draft with Harper and Betts. I think that's great. You get two outfielders (laughs) out of the way and both are going to contribute some level of power and speed. They're not obviously going to, they're not going to hurt your batting average. So I I think it's a great start. I mean, I
1: don't even recognize what I'm doing here because not only (laughs) have I not taken a starting pitcher yet, but I've taken two outfielders to begin my draft. I've, I feel like, typically, I'm the guy defending why I don't have any outfielders yet in round nine, you know? It's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely a change of pace than we where we were at um, last year, for sure. Jacob DeGrom goes 16th overall. He was the third starting pitcher drafted off the board, and he went to uh, Jesse Roche, who took both Jacob DeGrom and Ronald Acuna. So, spicy. Living on the edge, Jesse. I was about to say I like it, but uh,
1: it's it's pretty risky. It's pretty scary. So uh, I mean... <laughs> If we still had hope of Acuna being back for opening day, I think I could get behind it. Yes, you know, I mean, potentially he got the best hitter and best pitcher in fantasy with his first two picks. But we know Acuna is not going to be the best hitter in fantasy because he's going to miss at least a month of the season. At least, you know, that's the way it appears right now.
0: I took Luis Robert 17th overall, and I started my draft with Jose Ramirez and uh, Luis Robert, and I took him over Rafael Devers, Ozzy Albies, and a bunch of other starting pitchers, Max Scherzer, Walker Buehler, Brandon Woodruff, Zach Wheeler. What do you think, Scott? Is this too early for Luis Robert? I have him going a little later in round two, but no, I don't think it's too
1: early. I think it's perfectly defensible. If you take his stats at face value... Okay, don't take his stats at face value because the batting average was what was it 350 uh but you give him just a you know 290 to 300 batting average and take everything else at face value then i think uh i don't, I don't think he's reached at this point it's just basing a lot on a fairly small sample from an inexperienced player who saw a big drop in strikeout rate can he sustain that uh and and keep the gains i hope so but uh you're you're more committed to him doing that by taking him in early in round two, as opposed to late in round two.
0: After Luis Robert, we see Rafael Devers go, Ozzy Albies, and then we get this run of starting pitchers: Max Scherzer, Walker Buehler, Yordan uh, Alvarez is mixing there, and then Brandon Woodruff and Zach Wheeler. So four of the last five picks of round two, starting pitchers, and yeah, I think once we, you get up to that Luis Robert level, I. I I think I wouldn't mind all those pitchers going in the mid to late second round. I think I think it's a perfectly fine place for all of them to go. Uh, was there anything there that Sadatsy's got? I feel like it makes sense for all those pitchers to go in that range.
1: I agree. In fact, the first two rounds are comprised of the players I expect to go in the first two rounds. I think the only exception is Ozzy Albies went in round two instead of Shane Bieber. I would I would. I would take Bieber in round two and and bump Ozzy Albies to round three. And Albies went in the middle of round two. So, you know, I I guess that's that's the one exception to the first 24 players taken in this mock versus the first 24 I would take. Obviously, the order of the names is different. But just in terms of who the players are, pretty much on point.
0: All right, let's move on to the third round. We see Manny Machado and Starling Marte start off this round. So that means... Chris Clegg started his team. Trey Turner, Zach Wheeler, Manny Machado, Machado, which I like that quite a bit. You knock out third base too. You don't have to worry about that position because it's you know one of the most scarce this season. Uh, and then I believe it was Mike Gianella who had the second overall pick. Yeah, so Mike Gianella starts his team with Juan Soto, Brandon Woodruff, Starling Marte. And I kind of like it. I mean, I, I think if you are in that back back end of of Round two or, you know, you have an early first round pick. If you could start with two hitters and one pitcher, just get that that anchor to your staff and then maybe you load up in the middle rounds. Uh, I like this start quite a bit, Scott. I, th- I feel like the early third round hitters are, are really, really good, specifically in five by five Roto. Uh, do you agree? I, yeah, I think it's fine. Um,
1: If Juan Soto continues down his power trend that he's shown so far, like he he's he's among the first round rounders doesn't quite measure up in the home run category to this point, which isn't to say he's not a power hitter. You just got big home run hitters going in the first round by and large, and he's not quite one of them. Uh, so if he doesn't improve in that regard and then you invest your third pick in Starling Marte, who's, you know, might not even give you 20 home runs, then you're, 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 you're having to make up ground in the home run category, I would say. And you know, I'm, That's not me really faulting the Juan Soto pick at second overall. I think that's perfectly fine. Obviously, he does a lot of other things well. Um, But Starling Marte in round three, you know, I rank him at about this point. I don't want to have to be the guy who gets that, who really sells out for stolen bases with an early pick and, and at the expense of other categories because it's, you know, power does so much more for a hitters. Overall output than than steals does.
0: Yeah, because every time you hit a home run, you obviously get a hit, which goes towards your batting average. You get a run, you get an RBI, and obviously you get uh, the home run. So I get what you're saying, but I do think that if you're going to sacrifice power in your first three or four picks, uh, you have to get someone who either excels in batting average or steals or both. And yeah. Juan Soto, I I think we could all say confidently, he's going to hit over three hundred as long as he's healthy. Starling Marte could hit two eighty plus with you know thirty thirty five steals. So if you are definitely
1: going to benefit the batting average as
0: well, yeah. yeah. So if you're going to sacrifice power, you know you just have to make sure that you're covering batting average or speed, yeah, and or speed, and and that's exactly what those players do. Um, Number twenty seven in this draft was Shane Bieber. He was the eighth starting pitcher off the board. Then we see Cedric Mullins, twenty eighth overall. That's right. Uh, if you were wondering where he might get drafted this year, it seems like he's going to be a third round pick. Uh, Marcus Semien goes one pick later, and then Francisco Lindor got 30th overall. His early NFBC ADP again only five drafts done, so it's a small sample size. But uh, his ADP there is 49.2. Either way, I thought that we would get a better discount. I don't know if this is you know where it's going to land ultimately. I he's probably going to be more of like a fourth or fifth round pick, but. Even there, towards the end of the season, I talked about how I might be in on Lindor, but I thought we were going to get more of a discount, honestly.
1: Yeah, I I mean, time will tell if that holds. I have Francisco Lindor ranked 87th. So, yeah, I will not have much Lindor either if he's going to be third. I don't don't think he's going to be a third rounder, but even if he's going to be like a fourth or fifth rounder. Yeah. Um, For this draft specifically... I think him going in the middle of round three, uh, you know, was a testament to what you were pointing out, that the draft room rankings still show what they were heading into 2021.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And um, not everybody is working off their own personalized rankings yet, you know, since it's it's the, the... we're we're dead in the middle of fantasy football
0: season. Yeah, yeah. so uh, some some wacky things are going to happen, right? And again, like we're not doing this to call out people's draft picks. Like we no. realize, you know, it's it's going to be the first couple of mock drafts we do. They're going to be weird, and and even some of the picks I made myself were were very weird. So uh, that again, just to preface everything there,
1: uh, Marcus Simeon, I actually got it wrong earlier when I said there was only that the the twenty four players with the twenty the top twenty four were the twenty four I would take in the first two rounds. Um, with that one exception. There's actually another exception. I would not take Jordan Alvarez in round two. I would take Marcus Simeon instead.
0: Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. If you wanted to, if you swap them in this draft, I think that probably uh, looks a little bit better from a five-by-five five Roto perspective. Matt Olson goes 31st overall. Pete Alonso went in round six. I talked about this uh, in our first base recap. If we're getting a three-round discount on Pete Alonso versus Matt Olsen, I'll take that every day of the week. Uh, and then Sandy Alcantara, 32nd overall. Maybe a little bit earlier, early, but uh, I took him here. He was the SP9 off the board. And so I start my team, Scott. Jose Ramirez, Luis Robert, my first starting pitcher here with Alcantara. It's probably a little bit unproven, um, but I was going to ask you, Do you, would you like that start more? Or if I took Max Scherzer in round two and say I took a hitter like Xander Bogarts here, right? So Ramirez, Robert, Sandy versus Ramirez, Scherzer, Bogarts. Which three would you like better?
1: Hmm. I I don't have a strong preference. I I I think maybe Scherzer in round two, and then Bogarts in round three. Especially since you already have a healthy number of steals in round one with Jose Ramirez. Darn it! But <laughs> I, I mean, the way you did it with Robert in round two and Alcantara in round three—that's that's the higher upside play. So. Yeah, you know, I, I don't have a huge preference for either, to be honest.
0: Wander uh, Franco goes 33rd overall, in case you were wondering where he might uh, wind up in ADP. Uh, NFBC ADP to this point, 45.8, so... Maybe, you know, late third, fourth round pick. That's where we might settle in for Wander Franco. Uh, Scott, you take Austin Riley, 34th overall. You start with three hitters in your draft. Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts, Austin Riley. Let's just round out round three, and then you could talk about it. Julio Arias goes 35th overall. He's the 10th starting pitcher off the board. Uh, And then Trevor Story, 36th overall. Scotty, no pitchers. Three rounds. I know. (laughs) I know. Uh, yeah, uh, and and
1: I surprised myself by taking Austin Riley as early as round three. But, you know, now that I've put together my third base rankings and just how how quickly I become uncomfortable at the position, I just really didn't want to be in a spot where I had to hold my nose and take a third baseman. So... You know, to me, the drop-off is after Nolan Arenado, at least for this format. It it looks a little better in points leagues because you have some high-walk guys at third base. Uh, But for this format, the big drop-off is after Nolan Arenado, who is my fifth-ranked third baseman. Austin Riley's my fourth-ranked third baseman. Nolan Arenado didn't go until round six. So if I had known I could get Arenado in round six, maybe I don't take Riley at the end of round three here. Maybe I take... Uh, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have taken my first starting pitcher because uh, my top-ranked starting pitcher, Robbie Ray, at the point I took Austin Riley here late in round three, I ended up getting early in round four. Right. So I probably, I, I don't know what I would have done instead. Maybe I would have taken Robbie Ray, taken Robbie Ray, and then just taken a second pitcher in round four. I don't
0: know. Yeah, but, I mean that's uh, part of the reason why I took Al too, because I didn't really love. Any of the hitters available at the end of the third? You know, Wander Franco, Austin Riley, Trevor Story. And then to start round four, we had Whit Merrifield, Xander Bogarts. They're fine, but I, I don't know. There was no one that was really screaming. So I was like, all right, I'll just, I'll take a starting I, I feel like, and maybe it actually
1: begins in round late in round three, but the way I worded it in the write-up for the draft is that basically round four is like, three four rounds long <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> round four to round seven i feel like you could mix that up in a thousand different ways and it wouldn't look it wouldn't look so and so crazy you know
0: yeah L- let's take a quick break when we return we'll talk about round four we'll try to get to as many of these rounds as possible and then we'll uh tell you how our teams turned out ultimately uh, at the end of the draft we'll take a quick break right now we'll be back here on fantasy baseball today
1: Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash card.
0: All right, so let's jump into that fourth round. I already mentioned some of these picks. Whit Merrifield goes 37th overall. Then Xander Bogarts. Scott, you take Robbie Ray. He was the SP11 off the board. He was your first starting pitcher. Salvador Perez, the first catcher off the board, 40th overall. And then I took Teoscar Hernandez, uh, which surprised myself a little bit. Uh, I, I really debated Hernandez versus Aaron Judge here, uh, and yeah, you know, I, I think it's kind of like a coin flip. You know, you want some a few more home runs. Uh, I think you go with Judge, a few more steals. You go with Teoscar, uh, but at this point, I'm like you. I only have one pitcher through my first four picks, uh, and I have Jose Ramirez, Luis Robert, Sandy Alcantara, and Teoscar Hernandez. So a little bit of power and speed from everybody. Hmm. Yeah, looks pretty good to me. All right, let's keep moving on here. Freddy Peralta, the 12th starting pitcher off the board at pick 42. Aaron Nola, SP13, no discount. Uh, you thought you were going to get a discount on Aaron Nola. It's not happening. People still like Aaron Nola quite a bit. Then we see Lucas Giolito as the 14th starting pitcher off the board at pick 44. A lot of pitchers here. Lance Lynn, Chris Sale, and then we get Alex Bregman at pick 47 and Aaron Judge at pick 48. I thought, I thought the judge pick was really strong to get him uh, at the end of round four. Alex Bregman seems a little bit too early, Scott.
1: Well, yeah, I have Arenado ranked higher, and Arenado doesn't go until round six, as I mentioned. So seeing Bregman in round four, uh, I I don't even think I would could get behind that in a points league. And I've I've long been a a Bregman backer, so I'm I'm surprised there could be anyone on earth who likes Bregman more than I do. But maybe Mike Gianella does. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see him. I just don't see him. I can't imagine him ever hitting 40 home runs again like he did in 2019. And while I wouldn't take 30 homer season off the table, I would say that shouldn't be the expectation either, that he's probably more like a 25 homer guy with excellent plate discipline and probably a pretty good batting average. But, um, you know, more more of a a points league specialist going forward.
0: All right, let's move on to the fifth round here. And there's a lot of interesting starting pitchers that go in this... Late fourth, early fifth round. You know, if you start off with two hitters and then you want it to double tap starting pitcher, I, I don't think that's a bad strategy here. Or three hitters and then and then take two pitchers in a row. But uh, starting the fifth round, we had Jack Flaherty and then Kevin Gosman. Uh, we see Corey Seager and Tim Anderson go back to back, fifty first and fifty second. Both of those seem like great values. Christian Yelich, we'll come back to that in a second. Uh, he went fifty third overall, and then Luis Castillo uh, as the. 19th starting pitcher off the board. Again, like, I think these are all fine values in this in this part of the draft. Um, Scott, Christian Yelich, his early NFBC ADP is 96. He goes 53rd overall. I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of winds up somewhere in the middle. You know, maybe he's 75, 80, somewhere like that. But fifth round seems a little early for him.
1: Yeah, it does. Again, I can't help but wonder if that would have happened if if the rankings in the draft room were updated because you know you see later in this round byron buxton go oh yeah um, aloy jimenez doesn't go until the next round george springer doesn't go until the next round like i just don't really see a justification for taking christian yelich over any of those outfielders Mm -hmm. even if you're an optimist i mean yeah that's that's giving up that's giving up um talent that I think uh, the consensus is much higher on. I I have Yelich as only the the 100th player in my rankings heading into next season.
0: And even if you're optimistic about Christian Yelich, just knowing, playing the value game, just knowing that you can get him two rounds later, definitely at least one round later, but I mean, you could probably get him two, maybe even three rounds later, uh, and, and just knowing that, you know, be aggressive on where you know that he's actually going to be drafted, which... I guess we don't know as of now. Uh, But let's move on to the 55th pick in this draft, Will Smith, the second catcher off the board. I know uh, Tim McLeod loves him. It seems like he drafts Will Smith uh, every single year that we do these mock drafts. Uh, 56th overall, I take Byron Buxton. But again, I was drafting on my phone. I didn't realize I was on the clock. And so you click on a player's name, the same button to add them to your queue Once you're on the clock, it's to draft the player. So I wasn't, I wasn't gonna draft Buxton yet. I was trying to add him to my queue. Uh, I was actually going to select Charlie Morton, but it's fine. Like I, I I think this is an okay range for for Byron Buxton, and I get my third outfielder already. Another one, power, speed. His early ADP is seventy point eight over at the NFBC, and if that's the case, I think that I'm going to have a lot of Byron Buxton this year. Liam Hendricks, the first closer off the board, fifty seventh overall. Scott. You cheater! You took Charlie Morton from me. Uh, (laughs) You you get him as the uh, the twentieth.
1: When it would happen, I would have backed it out and let you take Morton. No, it was fine.
0: It's only after I took Morton. It took me a couple of like seconds to realize what happened, and then a a couple of picks already (laughs) happened. So I was like, "All right, whatever. It's fine. I'll." I I was sweating
1: that pick too because Morton. You know, I, I only had Robbie Ray at this point, and Robbie Ray isn't the, you know, the the most confident not somebody you can pick with a ton of confidence anyway right just given his history mm-hmm. i think it was fine where i took him but you know that's kind of a shaky number 1 obviously i feel like charlie morton was the last pitcher of his tier the last pitcher who i felt at least pretty confident could deliver true ace numbers yeah and uh so i was i was sweating that pick i was i you know i was fearing what went my number 2 would look like if i didn't take morton there It sounds like you were thinking the same thing.
0: Yeah, uh, basically. (laughs) So through five rounds, you have Bryce Harper, you have Mookie Betts, Austin Riley, Robbie Ray, Charlie Morton, which looks pretty good to me. Uh, What happened if I did take Charlie Morton, Scott? Who would you have taken?
1: This was a few days ago, so let me try and put myself back in that mindset. I don't think I would have taken a pitcher. I think I would have taken George Springer. Okay. Or wait, no, you know, I probably would have have taken who I took with my next pick because he went, I took, I opted for Jose Altuve in round, early in round six over George Springer, so um, I probably would just would have taken Altuve earlier.
0: Yep, that I makes mean, sense. Maybe
1: taken, maybe taken Altuve at the end of round five in the Springer at the beginning of round six.
0: Ooh. <laughs> I would have really liked to see what your pitching turned out to be uh, if you actually did that. Josh Hader, by the way, goes 59th overall. He was the second closer off the board, which makes sense. Uh, and then Randy Reyna to round out the fifth round, which seems very fair. In, uh, in Roto, a, a 2020 candidate uh, again here in uh, 2022. Let's move on to the sixth round of the draft and roll along here for those watching us on YouTube. And uh, starting this round, we had Max Freed. He was the SP-21 off the board. Eloy Jimenez, I thought that was really good value. Scott, you take Jose Altuve, 63rd overall. So you have four hitters and two starting pitchers with your first six picks. Uh, Pete Alonso, 64th overall, I Absolutely love this pick. And then I did the same thing in round six. I made the same mistake. I, I tried to add Cattell Marte to my queue, and I just, I wasn't paying attention. Um, But I actually don't mind this pick, you know. Second base, outfield eligibility, provide some batting average. Uh, but yeah, I took Cattell Marte. So through six picks, I have one starting pitcher, just Sandy Alcantara, which is probably not enough. I, I don't know that I would recommend doing that. Um, and then Jose Abreu goes 66th overall. Uh, what do you think, Scott? Catel Marte, this, does this range make sense? Two picks after Jose Altuve? So we're at, at
1: pick 65 overall. Just trying to see where I have Catel Marte ranked. I have Cattell Marte ranked 64th.
0: All right! And not so about, bad.
1: About where I say to take him. Now, you know, some that I rank ahead of Catel Marte, I don't think have gone off the board yet, but let's not be so nitpicky. The point is, you're too botched picks, Catel Marte in round 6 and uh Byron Buxton in round 5. I think we're more or less appropriate.
0: All right, very nice. All right, let's let's uh get to the next picks here. 67th overall Blake Snell as the SP22 off the board. Then we see Adalberto Mondesi. Some people might be wondering, all right, where where does where does Mondesi go this year? Uh so he winds up he winds up in the middle of round 6. His early NFBC ADP is 45.8. So, uh, this is Pretty good value. This is uh, more than 20 picks past that. Alec Manoa, SP23 off the board. And then George Springer, Nolan Arenado, and JT Real Muto. Real Muto, the third catcher off the board, last pick of round six. Scott, I think Springer was probably the seal of the draft. I yeah, I love this pick. You know, If I realized myself that he was there, I would have taken him over a Cattell Marte, and that would have given me, I guess, four outfielders with my first six picks, which isn't mm-hmm. the smartest thing to do, but... Mm -hmm. It just seems like he was the best player available in this round.
1: Yeah, I think it's the best pick up to this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we talked about it in the outfield recap. I, I think Springer, Aaron Judge, and Jordan Alvarez, the projected outcome for all three is, I think, very similar. Maybe Springer has the lowest ceiling of the three, but not by much. Maybe he has the most injury risk of the three, but that's pretty close too. So to see him go... This much later. I mean, your Alvarez went in round two. Your Springer's going in round six. Uh, again, it was between Altuve and Springer for me early in round six, and I ultimately decided to go with the infielder because, when in doubt, that's usually what I do: infielder over outfielder. But it was a very close call. And I mean, look at the last three picks in this round: Springer, Arenado, Real Muto. I feel like any of those hitters here at the end of round six, if you t- if they went. In the middle of round four, it nobody really bat an eye at it. So we're that—that's kind of what I was getting at earlier.
0: Uh, yeah, and I think you could say that about some of the players who went in in the seventh round as well, which, which yep. is the point that you're getting at. Uh, Nick Castellanos, seventy third overall, could be a steal. Let's see where he winds up in free agency. Yeah, obviously had. Drastic home road splits in Cincinnati this past season. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt goes 74th overall. He's someone that I was looking at in the sixth round as well, along with uh, George Springer and Cattell Marte. Logan Webb is the SP 24 off the board. He goes 75th overall. Javier Baez in roto, you know, 25 homers, double digit steals. I think it's a very fair value on him. Cody Bellinger. Now, this is an interesting one, Scott. 77th overall. The early NFBC ADP is 81.2. Is this enough of a discount for you to maybe jump back in on Bellinger? Let's say he kind of winds up as a seventh round pick here in 12 team leagues.
1: I like it more than the Yelich pick. I think the same guy picked both. Um, I think yeah. you're right. Yelich in round five versus Bellinger in round seven. First of all, I prefer Bellinger outright between the two. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is what? 80, the 87th pick? Or no, the 77th 77. 77. Yep. So it's, it's still like a round early for me. I have him 94th Bellinger, but mm. it's not egregious.
0: All right. Then we see uh, Brandon Lowe goes seventy. Brandon Lau goes 78th <laughs> overall. Uh, Jose Barrios as the SP25 off the board. And then I take Frankie Montaz uh, at 80th overall. He's my SP2 with Sandy Alcantara. Definitely not comfortable with that. Uh, sounds like Frankie Montas could be pitching somewhere else next season too because... The Oakland A's are are looking to fire sale, uh, trade everyone away. So uh, we'll see. We'll see where Frankie Montas winds up next year. Uh, Tyler O'Neal, 81st overall, Scott. I thought this was a great value on him. You wind up with uh, Max Muncie, That gives you five hitters and two pitchers through your first seven picks. Joe Musgrove at SP27 off the board. And then Dylan Cease at SP28, the last pick of the seventh round. And I do think this is closer to where he's going to be drafted, Scott. I think there's going to be a lot of helium on Dylan Cease this year. uh, And uh, you have him at SP39 in your rankings, the early ranks. And he goes SP28 here. So, you know, there's a little bit of a disparity there.
1: Yeah, there is. Uh, Yeah, it just, it kind of depends on how much you prioritize him among that group. Let's see, who hasn't gone yet? Verlander doesn't go till round 11 and i have verlander ahead of cease i think pretty clearly unless there's some kind of setback between now and then darvish hasn't gone yet i would definitely take darvish over cease but after that it's kind of a a cluster of 8 to 10 pitchers that i think you could move cease to the top of i have him near the bottom but if you're you know if you're going to see the glass half full you're going to predict another big step forward for him next year then i think it's not too much of a stretch to put him here I think you did great taking Montas here late in round seven as your number two. I actually prefer him to Max Fried, who went early in round six. So to get him almost two full rounds later, I think I think that makes up for some of your misses at the position earlier. And I think he's perfectly fine number two. Of course, I'd prefer him as my number three, but you know you can't have everything. So I, I like the strikeout potential with the splitter. Him emphasizing the splitter more than ever. Down the stretch last year, and we just saw his swinging strike rate, his strikeout totals. We just saw everything blow up for Frankie Montas, and uh, I think it's a good pick.
0: All right, I'm not well. less
1: sure about my Max Muncy pick. See, this felt like the end of a tier at first base specifically. I already had second base covered with Altuve, uh, but Max Muncy here in round seven, I didn't want to get, I didn't want to have to, you know, settle for a not so great first baseman. So I took Muncy here in round seven. What in my I'm not sure we're going to get to it, so I'll go ahead and bring it up now. What in my mind was the steal of the draft was Joey Votto in round 13. Mm. I don't think there's a six round difference between Muncie and Votto. I understand you don't you may not want to draft Votto's numbers at their face value because he's what 37, and he appeared to be on decline before that. I think he made some changes that justify the the big increase in power. I mean, that's what he talked about to him before the season. So I, I, I trust his process with that, but you know, just given the age, can you really expect him to, to do that again Um, to hit, to, to approach his career high in home runs? I think it's fair to wonder, but you know, when you get that kind of production in round 13, that's, that's crazy to me. I, yeah. I feel like there's going to only be like a two-round difference between him and Muncie, not a six-round difference.
0: Yeah, I think most people probably just prefer Joey Votto as their corner infielder. It might just be like an optics thing where, I don't know, you don't want to look at your team and see Joey Votto, I guess, starting at first base, but he was awesome. It, it's just a matter of how much he trusted, right? So, um, yeah, look, if he's going to go that late... And, then... and like
1: if 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 you draft Joey Votto as a corner infielder, then... Who does that put as a starting first baseman? <laughs> right, yeah. Joe, Josh Bell. You know, there's right, there's only right, right. there's only uh, so many quality first basemen. So many top, so many first basemen that are worth putting in the top twelve.
0: Well, maybe Reese Hoskins could be one of them. I got him in round twelve as my starting first baseman, and um, I like Reese Hoskins yeah. quite a bit. I, I mentioned that on our our first base podcast. Let's run through the eighth round here and, and try to get to get through a few more, uh, and then we'll. Take a look at our teams. Uh, Austin Meadows goes 85th overall. Chris Bryant then goes, Scott, you take Carlos Correa. You now have six hitters and two pitchers through eight rounds, which is, again, is very different than than, uh, than we're used to. Uh, Carlos Rodon, SP29, goes 88th overall. I take you, Darvish. Ah, it just doesn't feel great. I, I guess it's okay value. Uh, I, I was drafting using your rankings, Scott, so, I mean, full transparency, but um, I just don't have my own rankings yet, so... He was the 30th starting pitcher off the board. He's my SP3. It's fine. I just I don't love it. Uh the very next pick, this actually broke my heart when I saw this. Jazz Chisholm went one pick after I took you Darvish And uh I just love some Jazz Chisholm, man. <laughs> Especially in Roto. Five by five. You don't have to worry about strikeouts, although strikeouts were not they weren't really that bad this past year. Um I just love the power-speed combination for him. And the rest of the eighth round, we saw Trent Grisham go, then Anthony Rendon, JD Martinez, Trevor Rogers, Jesse Winker, and Pablo Lopez. Um, Any picks that stand out to you in this round, Scott? Uh, What do you think about Jazz Chisholm? Is is this a fair range to get him in, in Roto, the eighth round? To be honest, I don't love it. Ah!
1: I don't love it. I, I wouldn't <laughs> call call it the biggest reach of this round. I, I prefer Jazz Chisholm to Austin Meadows and Trent Grisham, who also went in this round, and I think have bigger questions about whether or not they deserve to be considered high-end players. I mean, Jazz Chisholm at least, at least is on the right trajectory, unlike Meadows and Grisham. But he's not there yet. I mean, comparing him to J.D. Martinez or Jesse Winker, um, even... Even the pitchers who went here, Darvish, and you know, I'll, I'll put Pablo Lopez in there. I just feel like they are uh, they they have proven to be difference makers already. While well, Jazz Chisholm, you know, he's injured a lot; he kind of faded in the second half. You do like the power-speed combo, dual eligibility, all of that's nice, but I just don't think I just don't think he compares to most of the players going in this round yet in terms of. Um, how confident you can be in that he'll be that he'll live up to the price tag?
0: Let's take a look at your team overall. You can run through the offense. Tell us maybe what you like, what you don't like, uh, and then do the same thing for your pitchers.
1: Okay. Do you want me to name the names or just
0: sure? Or I mean, I have it pulled up here on on YouTube. I could name them if you want.
1: No, that's fine.
0: Okay. Um, so I ended up with
1: my catcher, my catching tandem of Dalton Varshow and Joey Bart. Varsha was my eleventh round pick. I got Bart very late. My infield is Max Muncie, Jose Altuve, Austin Riley, Carlos Correa. My middle infield spot is Jorge Polanco, so that's you know pretty high end middle infielder, obviously. Corner infielder, Luke Voigt. I got him very late, but we know he has big potential if if he winds up being the Yankees starting first baseman, which is very much in question. My outfield is Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts, Kyle Schwarber, Robbie Grossman and Joe Adele. My DH is Frank Schwindel. (laughs) Oh. If it wasn't, we kind of think he dropped too far, right? Where did he end up going? Schwindel went in round 20.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I love
1: it. Yeah. If if he wasn't available there, I would have taken Yuli Gurriel. Yuli Gurriel, I think, was the best player who wasn't drafted in the 23 rounds. Won a batting title, obviously a deep lineup. Yeah, but not a ton of power for his position, so you kind of understand that. All right, the pitching staff this is what everybody wants to hear about Robbie yeah. Ray, Charlie Morton. Those were the early picks. My third pitcher taken in round 13 was Ranger Suarez, <gasps> and then Adam Wainwright is my number four. Ooh. Uh, Zach Granke, five, Aaron Savale, six, Patrick Sandoval, seven. Um and then I also happen to take Mike Soroka late. My only closer is Emmanuel Class A, who it took in round twelve. I actually like him more than Rysell Iglesias. Uh-oh. I actually have him ranked ahead of Iglesias, but it's okay I might to end up with a lot of Class A if that's the if that's the case.
0: If that's the Clace, right? No, no. Um, it's okay. So, to be, it's okay to be wrong, Scott. I mean, Rysell Iglesias is awesome.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, look, I. I need Robbie Ray and Charlie Morton to come through, right? There's a lot of risk in my next five pitchers. Ranger Suarez, Adam Wainwright, Zach Granke, Aaron Savale, and Patrick Sandoval. A lot of risk, a lot of upside. And that's kind of why I want to I want to go heavy on that middle tier at pitching, at pitcher and just hope that two or three of the five work out. I don't even need a 50% success rate. If two work out and my two early guys work out, I got a really solid four starting pitchers there that I think could take me far. Uh, And if more happen to work out, great. Hopefully I have a surplus. I would like a better number three than I ended up with. I would have loved to take Verlander, where you took him, Frank, in round nine, right? Yep. As my number three. But I feel I feel pretty good about how this turned out.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's exactly what I was gonna say about this pitching staff is I think if you had just a little bit better SP three and four and then you you kind of took some shots with with these guys later on, like to get Savale in the 17th round, I, I actually think that's a really good value. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, we saw a pretty good amount of upside this past season. Is is that something he can carry over returning from injury? in 2022 and it remains a question mark, but that's why you get him as late as you do. So uh, I like some of those guys that you got later on. It's, just, I think you got to get a better, at least SP three, you know, maybe SP four as well. Um, You know, Ranger Suarez, you probably want as like your SP five or later, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Oh, I yeah. love Ranger Suarez though. Oh yeah, I know. I know you're all over. And, Ranger and look, Suarez. if
1: Adam Wainwright just keeps doing what he did and, both 2021 and 2020, I'll point out. Yeah. I mean, he was a top ten pitcher last year, regardless of format. And I don't rank him as that. I rank him as like forty-five or whatever. But still, I think at that point I took him you, that that there's no risk at that point. You know, I feel like I feel like I'm gonna have a lot of Adam Wayne, right? Just because nobody else wants Adam Wayne, right? And that's gonna make him uh a no-risk sort of Proposition.
0: All right, I'll run you through my uh, my crappy team here. My catcher tandem is Mitch Garver and Travis Darno. Yuck. Uh, Reese Hoskins is my first baseman. I'm I'm actually all right with that. Cattell uh, Marte, Jose Ramirez, Bobby Witt is my uh, my starting shortstop. Which we don't know if he's going to be on the opening day roster or not. But I got him in the eleventh eleventh round, and yep. so that would make him pick one twenty eight. His early NFBC ADP is 77.6. So that's very high. Uh, I don't think that I want to take him that high. But uh, yeah, if I'm getting him outside the top 100 in a, in a roto league, then yeah, I think, I think he has a pretty awesome upside.
1: But between Verlander and Witt, I feel like you got the two players with the most potential to see their value skyrocket in spring training. Yeah. I think those are the two. By the way, for what it's worth, Kelnick went in round 10. Written around eleven, so at least in this draft, Kelnick went first.
0: I I, so I had the Welsh like ringing in my head. Once I saw Kelnick go off the board, I'm like, all right, I'm taking Bobby Witt with my next pick. Uh, Brandon Crawford is my middle infielder. I don't really know what to expect from him, but I got him super late. Uh, Josh Donaldson's my corner infielder. Blah, whatever. Uh, My outfielders are Luis Robert. I got Tejasca Hernandez. I got Byron Buxton, and then I got Eddie Rosario. Pretty late. I think I'm okay with him as like my fourth outfielder. You know, if he can. Stay healthy this year. Um, he's he's been awesome at every other year that he's been healthy. I got Ramon Loriano as my fifth outfielder. He's gonna miss the first twenty seven games because of a suspension next season. So uh, so keep that in mind. It's there, he was like the only name that I recognized later in the draft. So I took Ramon Laureano. Uh, I got <laughs> Nelson Cruz as my utility bat, and I got him in like the thirteenth round.
1: Yep, Nelson Cruz. Um, always always there for you. Yeah. Now I, I do think. After he was traded from the Twins to the Rays, he showed maybe some signs of decline. I mean, the production wasn't that good with the Rays. No, it wasn't. The underlying numbers were still pretty similar to what we he, he did previously. Other, I think he struck out more, but you know, in terms of hitting the ball hard and everything, um, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the decline is overstated. But I, I am a little more leery of Nelson Cruz than I have been the past few years.
0: I, I agree with all that. I, I think he was probably a I don't know, seventh or eighth round pick last year. So you're getting a, you know, five or six yeah. round discount. On oh, him. definitely great where you took him. Yeah. Definitely. He's, he's turning 42 years old. Like anything can happen, but um, yeah. we still got, we have to see if he's even coming back to play baseball. We don't even know. Uh, the pitchers that I wind up with were uh, Sandy Alcantara. I got Frankie Montas as my SP two. I got you Darvish. I got Justin Verlander, so that's my top four. And then I get Logan Gilbert as my SP5 and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. He was one of my last picks as, as my SP6. And then uh, I got Rysel Iglesias, Camilo Duval, and uh, Dylan Floro as my relief pitchers. Mm. We don't know for sure that Duval is going to be the closer for the Giants, but I th- I think so. I, he looked awesome down the stretch, yeah. and he was filling that role uh, for a team that was know competing for a world series. So right into the postseason, yeah. Yeah. Oh, even with McGee healthy again. Uh so what do you think, Scott, of my team overall? It's it's kind of a weird team. Um I think I should have passed on taking both Darvish and Verlander where I did. I think just taking one of them would have been fine and then maybe getting another solid hitter uh you yeah. know maybe at like shortstop or uh catch.
1: I don't know. I mean I, I definitely like your pitching better than my pitching. Yeah. There there are certainly ways it could go wrong. You know, maybe Darvish is just toast at this point. It's possible, but I doubt it. Um, I don't know. I, I think it looks pretty good, Frank. I don't think it's a bad team. I I like my hitting more than your hitting. Understandably, I've invested a lot in it. <laughs> but I like your pitching more than my pitching. Um maybe you're a little light on power. And that's like that's that's the that's what I don't want to be light on in my yeah. Hitting core is power. I, I want to get, I want to out homer everybody. That's that's my new that's my new goal with hitting <laughs> in five by five leagues. I suppose it should have always been the goal, but I feel like uh, this year taught me that um, you can never have too much power.
0: All right, Slugger Scott going for the home runs here in 2022. We are going to wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching fantasy baseball today. We'll be back again on Thursday with Greg Jewett here to recap the relief pitcher position uh, and take a look ahead to Scott's 2022 ranks. We'll do it here on Thursday. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable.